Good morning, good morning. Those of you who are nearby, hallelujah. Those of you who are uh, far away, good to hear from you and see you. Uh, do a little breakfast here. Oh, what a wonderful thing. This morning, uh, I had some breakfast brought in by by my brother, Andy Hines. And so I feel pretty good and uh, looking forward to see what the Lord is showing to me and showing to you this morning. Open your Bible into Second Kings. But before that, uh, Andrew, there's a, a saying that I want to uh, read to you. And uh, it's given to me by by Steve Tucker. And it's a say from Dallas, Dallas, Mr. Dallas Willard. One of the hardest things in the world is to be right and not hurt people with it. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's going to match it with what I have to say today. But I'm on Second Kings chapter chapter one. Would you open your Bible and uh, let's read it together? It says, "Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab." Of course, Moab is one of those Transjordanians tribes that uh, were under Israel or 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 Judah, and they rebelled. And the Bible says that uh, the Moabites were really oppressed by Omri. Omri did more sin against God than any other person in the Bible. Now, the one in charge of the whole area, now that Ahab is dead, his name is Isaiah. is Ahab's son. And Ahab fell down through a lattice in his upper room, upper chamber, and was in Samaria. That was in Samaria. He just fell down in the concrete, whatever, and hurt himself. And so he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Akron, whether I shall recover of this ease, of this disease. I don't know what the disease was like. It seems like he broke a bone, and the bone was not healing properly, so he was sick. Now, this is, this is really a, the beginning of, of 2 Kings chapter 1. 
And it is very important for us to understand the situation here. Why this Baal presence does not disappear after Mount Carmel, where 450 prophets of Baal were slaughtered by, by Elijah, by now they should have gotten the message. But you see, Baal is, is the god of the rain, of the thunder, of the lightning. And in this, uh, in this context, you have the farmers. All the farmers throughout all that area needed rain in order to survive. But because of their Baal tendencies to worship a false god, the Lord simply sent a prophet, Elijah, and he simply says, There will be no rain or dew until I say so. And here we are with this Bible study now that Elijah is still alive today in this time. We're talking about 896 years before Christ, a thousand years before Christ. So the idea here is to understand why. Why is it that Baal seems to be so prevailing? Well, <clears throat> you see, Ahab married a princess. And, uh, and a princess, uh, a very well, beautiful woman. And she, in her teachings, in her life, always been a woman that uh, worships Baal. Now, so much so that Ahab had to build a palace, a temple to Baal in order to please his wife. And so it started with a marriage. But there's something here on chapter, on chapter 1, verse 3, that was heard by the Lord. And the verse 3 indicates that there's something that displeases, displeases God. Because the Lord is close to near. He has His prophets. God is, God is in hand with all the situation that's there. He's not a... Uh, 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 disappearing in the, in, the, in the scope of things. He is in the midst of it. And so verse 3 says, But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite. Now, Elijah is available. And the word was, Go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say unto them, it's not because there is no God in Israel that you go inquire about above the God of Akron. Why? There's there's no God that you go inquire of a of a false God in Israel. In other words, the Lord is present. The Lord is in the midst of the trial and tribulations. The Lord is real. He is, he is expecting. And that's where this little saying that I said to you today uh, uh, began to ring in my mind from Dallas Willard. Uh, one of the hardest things a man can do in the world, one of the hardest things, is to be right and not hurt other people with it. And I, I understand, I understand. But you see, in this scripture here, and what happens now, a lot of people are going to get hurt. Look, to consult a foreign god 
is equivalent to say that the voice of God is silent and not prevailing. <clears throat> when, we, when you begin to say that the voice of God is, not, is silent and is not prevailing, you're confessing death over your life and over the life of those that you are responsible for. And this is exactly what uh, Isaiah was saying. He sent messengers to tell and ask the God of Akron, Baal, what's going to happen to me? Now, verse 4 then seals the statement. It says this, Now therefore, thus says the Lord, because of it, thus says the Lord, in the view of what I heard from the mouth of Isaiah, the son of Ahab, what he said, I say, thus says the Lord. So this, this preposition, therefore, here means, because of what has been said, I will now, in no, in, I will now say this. You shall not come down from the bed on which you are, go, you are laying on but you'll surely die. So, so, the command here, the statement here from the mouth of God was, you're laying in bed because of your illness. Don't, don't, don't be concerned about getting out of bed because you're going to die in it. And so, notice that Elijah is simply hearing the voice of God because he represents God. So the messengers turned back unto him. He said unto them, Why are you coming back? Why are you back here? You're supposed to be getting there and bring me a message from Akron uh, about my health. And, and, and the messengers responded, There came a man up to meet us and said unto us, Turn again unto the king who sent you and say unto him, Thus says the Lord, is that because there is no God of Israel that you sent to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Akron? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed on which you are laid up, and you surely shall die. And he said unto us, What manner of men uh, uh, say that? that uh, 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 his name is Isaiah. It's an A-H-A. Z-I-A-H, Isaiah. Tell me, tell me what, what he said. He was a hairy man, they said, girt with a girl, girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, it is Elijah the Shishbite. It is Elijah. You see, the recognition of Isaiah to who Elijah was, was easy for him to say. He knew. Now, why would a man like that, knowing that he's in bed and die probably near death, why is it that he would inquire of a false god about his health? You see, it's kind of a, it's kind of a odd to me that you would, you would, you would see. Understand 
know that there is a prophet of God in the land, and yet he simply refuses to follow and lead. He could have asked Elijah all kinds of things. And you're going to see in the end of this 18th verses of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, that there was a time in this exchange that, that Isaiah, Isaiah uh, could, could, could find life for his life, could have been forgiven, could have been given life. And so, the king said unto him, Now the response of the king, Isaiah, instead of bowing down before God, asking forgiveness and repentance, you know, simply saying, God, I just ask you to forgive me for I, I did something terribly wrong. And that is, that is the point of discussion this morning. Because you need to know who you are following. Who is your God? You can't have anything in your vocabulary and your dimension that belittles the Word of God. You know, the cessationists present the work of the Holy Spirit in such a way to where the fruits are in preeminence, but the gifts are totally ignored. How can you have a Holy Spirit of God that, that rejects the gifts and only operate through the fruits? You have to sort of a, you write a book on the gifts of the Holy, or the Holy Spirit and you remove the gifts as if you have the authority, the power. See, you are the one that you're doing this, she or her are the ones doing this, are going to be judged just as Isaiah was judged. Unless you repent. I'm not saying you're going to die. I'm saying that uh, you have no anointing. I'm saying that what you speak has no bone to it. What I'm saying is that when you preach, there's no zip to it, there's no power, there's no anointing, there's no strength, because you create a pattern of unbelief. You're not a Baal worshiper. You worship God, but you resist the truth in the Word of God. And when you do that, you're just like a Baal worshiper. You have your own theological ideas. You have your sophisticated theological ideas that prove them to be completely weak and wimpy. And God cannot use you. It's a, it's a, it's a story. And today there are, there are preachers that stand on the top of the fence. You want to be a good Baptist. You want to be a good Christian. You want to be a good Presbyterian. You don't want to offend anyone. And, and of course, Dallas Willard, Willard comes to mind again. One of the hardest things on earth to do is to be right and not hurt people with it. One of the hardest things to do is to be right but not hurt people with it. What I'm saying to you is that there is a time in, in, in spiritual life when you must stand you're not hurting anybody, but you stand. You stay firm as to who you are. You, you will not compromise the Word of God. You know, I know a woman who wrote a book, but she runs away from the gifts of the Holy Spirit like a Georgia Tech player when Georgia comes to town. And I don't understand why is it that you do that. And I have a conclusion to say, you simply want your theological proposition, force the Word of God out of consideration. 
negate that which is biblical, a question. The same that wrote 1 Corinthians 12 is the same that wrote Galatians chapter 5. Okay. I'll let you go now for a while until you rest, but let me continue. What Isaiah did is the dumbest thing a human being can do. After seeing fire from heaven consuming an altar, licked up the wood, the rocks, the water, the sacrifice, by now he should be considered and convicted that there is a God alive. And he's able. So here what happens. He sends 50 soldiers to force Elijah to come down the mountain. It's on verse 9, chapter 1 Kings, 2 Kings, chapter 1, verse 9. Then the king sent unto him a captain of 50 with his 50. And he went up to him, and behold, he, Elijah, sat on the top of the hill. And he spoke unto him, You men of God, the king has said, Come down. You men of God, the king has said, Come down. I don't know how, how Elijah felt. Now, this is a prophetic moment. It, 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 it's, a, it's a prophetic moment to the sense that whatever, whatever is going to be said here, it's not premeditated. Prophecy is never premeditated. Prophecy is never in your mouth, in your head, coming out of your head unto your mouth. Prophecy is the mouth. It has no part into conceived and, and thought that come together by the influence of your, your brain, your, 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 your mind, your thinking, your rationale. It doesn't go in that area. It comes directly from God to the mouth. And so, out of the mouth of Elijah comes, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. <laughs> I, if I was close to that, and if I saw Elijah sitting there with his long hair, is bald with hair. That's pretty much him. If you go look into um, the description of, of the man, uh, it says, He was hairy man, girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. A hairy man, but he was bald in hair everywhere. Now, if I was one of the men in charge one of the soldiers, I'd be running down the street because the mouth of Elijah spoke. If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. You see, Elijah on top of the mountain, down the level of the, of the mountain is the fifty. So Elijah saw fire from heaven come down. That's the second time Elijah fell and saw fire from heaven. The first time was in Mount Carmel as, as the altar was consumed and 
licked and, and, and destroyed everything that he touched. Now this is the second time. So Elijah had an affinity with fire. He was inside of the cave and there was an earthquake, there was fire, there was thunder, there was lightning. And there was nothing in it. But he saw a small hand way in the distance. And a torrent pouring rain came upon the mountain. And Elijah uh, got wet and blessed the Lord. And uh, So Elijah knew about fire. Now the end of the verse says, And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him. Now who is him? The one in charge of the fifty. And his fifty. By now, I would say, if I was a Isaiah, uh, I would uh, consider things a little more. But you see, there's something about the liberal mind that cannot comprehend the things of God, and so they're stiffed in their in their in, in trains. They're stiffed in the mind. They will not accept anything to do with the truth of God. They resist Scripture. They laughed and ridiculed those who believe in it. And you have to know which side you stand. One thing, you don't want to be caught with Elijah standing on the top of the fence. You got to be on the left or the right. That's when you get your blessing. That's when you begin to realize that God will not bless and speak to those who play games with the will of God. Again, verse 11, Again, also he sent unto him another captain of the fifty with his fifty. Now, by now, there's something totally out of, the, out of, out of a balance and reason in this king. Why would he do this? Well, you see, he was brought up into a house in which for many, many days, for many times, his mother, Isaiah's mother, Jezebel, took him into the temple of Ekron, the god of the Baal god. And he sat there watching those prayers that go to nowhere and, and, and watched those sacrifices that went to nowhere. And so he was brought up into an unbelieving house. Now today... You can be the son that was brought up into an unbelieving house. But because of the grace of God, you decided to follow Jesus Christ. And so he came to me this last week. This man came to me this last week and said to me, I had horrible parents. They were the worst parents a man can have. But God had mercy on me and I found Christ. I found Jesus Christ. He took over my life. And I want you to pray for me, Brother Rick, that my children will never be exposed to this curse that assails my family completely. And suddenly, we're on the floor praying with this man, and the Holy Spirit came upon the vision of this man, and he will never again, never again look back in his personal life. And so, again, he sent unto him another fifty. And he said unto him, O man of God, thus has the king said, Come down quickly. He had, he had the word quickly. 
Now, in other words, if you don't, we're going to get you. Now, how can you rationalize something like that? Fifty men burned to crisp because the fire of God didn't leave nothing. No bones. It was just consummated, burned everything. Everything those soldiers were with it, completely, metal included. So why would this other man come in and say, quickly come down? I don't understand. I don't understand how the deceiving, rejecting Christian can have a thinking, a rationale like this. Aren't you aware that you are serving God, the Baal God? You are serving the philosophy of the day. You are serving evil. You are serving a lie. And it's not of the Lord what you're doing. Well, Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. <laughs> and fire came down and did the same thing as the altar in Mount, Mount Carmel. And consumed him in his fifty. If men do not trust the Lord in what he has done to redeem humanity, and I speak of Christ in the cross, then ultimately the fire of judgment will fall upon them. It is inevitable. If you keep on resisting the Holy Spirit, it is inevitable. It will happen. If you keep on laughing, ridiculing the gifts and calling them attributes, you are going to be judged accordingly. What is the judgment about in a time like this? There's nothing. There's no consummated ministry. There's no conviction of sin. Conviction is something that travels the surroundings of a man of God who speaks the truth of God. Conviction it is the air in the room that takes over the hearts of people from the back all the way to the front. And when you finish preaching, they run to the altar. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit who cannot in no shape or form be denied when you believe the Word of God. But when you have doubts and fears... God's going to consume you. Now, the third group that came in, they got the message. They got the, message. the third group, uh, uh, <laughs> excuse me, sir, can, can I say something? The third captain of the 50 went up. Now, I love this scripture, which is King James, because it says, went up. So what do you mean? He went up where Elijah was. The others would stay, say, come down quickly. But this one, he went up. He, he, he decided that <laughs> I better went up. And came and fell on his knees before Elijah. He went up, fell on his knees before Elijah, and besought him, and said unto him, O men of God, I pray you, let my life and the life of these fifty your servants be precious in your sight. Behold, that came far from heaven and burned up the two captains of the fifties, former fifties, with their fifties. Therefore, let my life be precious in your sight. Have mercy on me. That's what he's saying. And the angel of the Lord, and I believe the angel of the Lord here is the Lord himself. 
said unto Elijah. Now how? What is the difference between a prophetic word that comes down, not of your mind, but deeply into your mouth and you say it? That's prophetic. But in this, in this sense, the angel of the Lord spoke into Elijah's mind, his intellect. Go down with him. Go down with him. Follow, go him. Be not afraid of him. Now that's, that's comforting. In other words, don't be, don't be afraid and be not afraid and nothing's gonna happen to you, Elijah. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. And he said unto him, Thus says the Lord, For as much as you have sent messengers to inquire Beelzebub, the God of Akron, it is not because there is no God in Israel that you inquire of his word. Therefore you shall not come down off the bed. You lie now and now, and you shall surely die. One of the hardest things on earth is to be right and not hurt people with it. But in this case, there's no way about it. When the Lord speaks and you compromise the word, you simply are in danger of ignorance. You are in danger of uh, sadness and, and, and unbelief. May the Lord bless you real good. Be the third captain and humble before the Lord. Amen. Correndo e olhando para trás 